This morning, let's uh, seek the Lord, seek His presence, seek His blessing. When all the voices of this world are clamoring for our attention, there's a still small voice of the Spirit of God just waiting to woo us, to speak to us. Uncertainty all around the world. But our God is a God who never changes. The immutable God. He's forever the same. The same yesterday, today and forever. Therefore, Father, this morning we come to your throne room of grace. We plead the blood of Jesus over our life. Lord, we want to revel your word this morning. For you said in your word that you have exalted your word above all your name. And therefore this morning, O oh Lord, even as we seek you in the word, I pray, Lord, we will find you. For you said, if you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with a whole heart. And therefore we seek you this morning, Lord. And therefore I pray, Lord, even as we now meditate upon your word, speak to our hearts. Father, satisfy every longing soul, every searching heart and mind. Let them find you. Not answers to their prayers, but Lord, you, Lord, for you are our answer to every prayer. And this morning, O oh Lord, even as we meditate, seek you in your word, enable us to find you. To that end, I pray that you would bless us even in the speaking and the hearing of this word. Anoint us and grant us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say in this last hour of time. For in Jesus' name, Amen. What is that one thing that is so distinct about the Christian life? Which, is, which does not make it a mere religion. According to me, we serve a God who speaks. It's a living relationship. Right from the beginning, I mean, right from the beginning of faith, if you will, if you, if you, want, to forget, if you want to forget about Noah and all these people, from Abraham, the father of faith, it says, the word of the Lord appears to Abraham. The word of the Lord came to Abraham. Scripture speaks to Abraham. Gospel was preached to Abraham. And right from the beginning, for every servant of God and every child of the living God, we, we, what is that one distinctive feature about our Christian life is that we serve a God who speaks even today, even now. We believe he's a God who speaks. And that is the reason why we uh, we gather around the ministry of the word of God. It is the word of God and not the word of man. That is the reason why it's called what it's called the living God. We serve a living God. What a faithful God. Yes, he's a faithful God, but he's a living God. All right. Um, the word of God is also called the living word. We have a living way through which we enter the holy place, the most holy place, of course. And we have a living hope. After we are born again, we are born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead for an inheritance which is incorruptible. 
and because of all this based upon the in the light of all the mercies that we have received from god we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice okay because we have received such tender mercies of god and his mercies are new so they are living mercies <laughs> okay they're always his mercy endures forever so we have we have a god who's living and everything about the christian life is living and it says the enemy does not come except to steal to kill and to destroy but i have come to give you life and life in abundance just not ordinary life it's abundant life the the light of that's the reason why it says in john's gospel chapter 1 in him was the light and that light was the life of men or in him was life and that life was the light of men you see we are, we are here for life right so we because we serve a living god and therefore our life of faith is living and faith comes from hearing because that's what i'm saying right we we serve a god who speaks faith comes from hearing and faith has a corresponding response to our hearing which we call as a work of faith or obedience in um, in simple language or easy language so a life of faith is characterized by hearing and obeying hearing and obeying and responding that is the life of faith therefore our faith is also living james chapter 2 if you will we'll read from verses 14 to 17 and verse 26 verse 14 to 17 and verse 26 of james chapter 2 What does it profit my brothers if someone says he has faith but does not have works can faith save him can such faith save him? if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and um and one of you says to them depart in peace be warmed and filled but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body what does it profit thus also faith by itself if it does not have works and it says in ephesians chapter 2 we are god's workmanship created in christ jesus unto good works that we should walk that means it's a life so that faith without works is dead therefore verse 26 says for as the body without the spirit is dead okay not the soul <laughs> for as the body without the spirit is dead therefore when adam and eve uh, disobeyed god the spirit was dead i mean they, they lost the communion with god for god is spirit and those who worship god must worship him in spirit and truth that communication that communion with god was 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 cut off and they were cut off from the life of god and they they were as good as dead even though they continue to live for another 900 years, 900 years i don't know how many years they lived after that after disobeying god doesn't matter all right for as the body without the spirit is dead so faith without obedience i would say i mean works you're calling about you're talking about works of obedience is also dead therefore our faith is a living faith everything about our about our our christian life is living it's characterized by life zoe Okay, that's what the word Zoe means, life. And therefore, he says, "My words are spirit 
and life. <laughs> you see, everything, it's life, life. This is eternal life. What must I do to gain eternal life, says the rich young ruler and also that, that lawyer who asks, um, who tests Jesus. <clears throat> Everything about our our Christian life is 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 about our, about uh, Christian life is living, and therefore that's a distinctive feature about about a Christian. I'm not talking about religion. There is a Christian religion also. <laughs> All right, you're not talking about that. Every other religion is characterized by works, but it's not characterized by a life of having communion with God. All right, therefore we have a privilege. Look at what it says in Isaiah chapter 30, verses 19 to 21. This is what Isaiah promises. Isaiah chapter 30, verses 19 to 21. Look at this beautiful, beautiful verses. For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. And what does Jerusalem mean? Teaching of peace. Understand that. Okay. You shall weep no more. He will be very gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. That means he will, that you, that means you'll have a relationship with him. And though the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teachers will not be removed or not be moved into a corner anymore, but your eyes shall see your teachers. Kya baat hai? And then, because your eyes shall see your teachers, your ears shall hear a voice or a word behind you saying, <clears throat> I like that. A word, just not a voice. Yeah. <clears throat> a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. So ultimately, what does, what does, uh, what does, what is this, what is, what is, what are, what are the teachers supposed to teach you? Show us your ways. Teach us your paths. And how does God work? He works in two ways. If you turn with me to 145. 145 verse 5. If I'm right. Psalm 145 that is, of course. Um, one second. I'll tell you the exact verse. Verse... Um, 140. Hi. Hello. How could I miss that? Is that where it says, uh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, I don't know. I've just completely. Lost that was unbelievable. It is. Is it 145 or 143? Okay. Sorry. Um, it says, uh, where it says, God is merciful, uh, righteous in his ways, and, and uh, merciful in his works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Verse 17. 145, 17. Thank you so much. The, yeah, thank you. 145, 17. Look at what it says. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and gracious in all his works. Other translations will use the word, word merciful. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and merciful in all his works. So what are, what do teachers teach us? They teach us the ways of God. That, do, that the Lord is what? Righteous in all his ways. How to be righteous. That is what is life of faith. My righteous shall live by faith. And gracious or merciful in all his works. So is it interesting? The Lord is righteous and the Lord is merciful at the same time. 
And tell me where, where, where was the Lord merciful and righteous at the same time? On the cross, right? And therefore, the, the life of a Christian is, is characterized by the application of the cross in his life. He doesn't, he no longer lives, but Christ lives in him. And the life that he lives, he lives by faith in the Son of God. You see? So this is the life of, life of God. Okay? So we don't, we hear from him. When we are hearing from him, we are not, no longer living our life, we are living his life. And therefore it is absolutely imperative. It is, you cannot, cannot and not not have this voice or a word behind you telling you which way to go, turn to this, turn to the left and turn to the right. This is absolutely imperative for us. Otherwise, this is not life. This is another religion. You understand what I'm saying? So it says in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 20 and 21. Look at what it says. Once again, we'll look at those two, two verses in different translations. Maybe we, we can read it in the uh, uh, in the NLT. NLT, if you don't mind, please. It says, though the Lord gave you adversity for food and affliction for drink, he will still be with you in to teach you, you will see your teacher with your own eyes and you will hear a voice saying, this is the way, turn around and walk here. You see, there will be a continuous voice that you will be hearing. Okay. First, initially, he will speak through the voice of your teachers. That's exactly what, how Samuel heard. Samuel, Samuel, and he went to Eli. Three times. And the fourth time, Eli says, okay, now when you hear the voice, say, speak, Lord. For your servant is hearing and it's from that day onwards, the word of the Lord moves from Dan to Beersheba and all Israel knows that Samuel is a prophet of God. Okay, you need to understand that. So you need to have the voice of your teachers every day of your life. That is what Christian life is characterized by. We inquire of the Lord and the Lord speaks to you. You inquire of the Lord and the Lord speaks to you. You seek the Lord and he guides you. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Fear the Lord and depart from evil and it shall be health to your flesh and navel to uh, marrow to your bones. This is the privilege of God's people and especially in the, in the new covenant. What is it? That they can be a set of people who can be led by the Spirit of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And what is that? It says in John's Gospel chapter 14 verse 26. If you look at that verse, John's Gospel chapter 14 verse 26. You see, you will hear the voice of your teacher. And who is your teacher? It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. What an awesome promise. You will see your teachers. They will not be hidden from you anymore and you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And the anointing that you have received, that's it, it says in John's Gospel, 1 John chapter 2 verse 27, he is true and he will guide you into all truths. The anointing that we have received. This is what it, that's, this is the tremendous privilege for every child of God. It is irrespective of where you've been called into the body of Christ to minister or to serve. Everyone, from the preacher to whoever and whatever capacity he or she is ministering, this is the privilege that has been given to us. You will hear a voice behind us telling us which way to go. Again, 16, 20, 16, 13, John's Gospel, 16, 13. Look at what he says. However, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his 
own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. So he is the one who's going to teach us. And that is the reason why it's so important that we do not grieve the Holy Spirit. We don't lie, uh, uh, lie to the Holy Spirit. We don't uh, insult the Holy Spirit, right? You see, we, so, we don't quench the Holy Spirit. So many, and we are exhorted to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you are, uh, if you are, if you are, if you, if you feel that you are, uh, you have been, uh, you, you're, you're not, you're feeling empty, what do you ask? Ask God. And if, if, if God's word says, if you being evil fathers give, can give good gifts to your children, how much more your father will give you the Holy Spirit to everyone who asks. So ask. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9 onwards. It says, but as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them, for uh, prepared for those who love him. But, <laughs> but God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. And the next verse, so what do we do? For what man knows the things of, no sorry, verse 12. Verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. And how do we do that? These things we also speak not in which man's wisdom teaches, but with which the Holy Spirit, what? Teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual, but the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God. You see, so we are not supposed to be Living a life where we are not hearing from God. Okay. If you are not hearing from God, ask. What is wrong with me, Lord? Many of time, many of us, so many times, we do things presumptuously. We haven't heard from God, but we just go ahead and do it anyway. And we think that along the path, we will correct ourselves. <laughs> it doesn't happen. <laughs> okay. Which, where are you going? I'm going to Vizag. But this goes to Delhi. Oh, I've come this far anyway, so let us just, let me just continue. Maybe I'll correct my course in the future. <laughs> Will you ever reach Delhi? Isaac, no way! No way! You can never do that! You have to, that is what repentance is all about. Many of us do so many things presumptuously and we think that after we have done so many things that God will come and intervene and He will correct our trajectories. It doesn't happen that way. We often get into trouble because we don't ask God. And even when we ask, we don't wait for God to answer. <laughs> okay. So therefore we need to understand from scripture. How do we, um, what kind of a spiritual disposition we need to have. So that we can continuously hear from God. And have that living relationship with God. What kind of a spiritual disposition or an attitude or a framework of mind or frame of mind that we should possess in order to have this continuing ongoing relationship with God. So we look at the patterns, we look at the doctrine in the new covenant and we look at patterns as to how to apply this doctrine in the old covenant. And that, that's the reason why 15.4 of Romans will say in ESV, if you can please, 15.4 of Romans. For whatever was written in former days was written for 
our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures we might have hope okay so when we read the scriptures we have to get endurance and we also have to get encouragement what is the encouragement boss if this is possible in the old covenant how much more it should be possible in the new covenant if john the baptist was considered the greatest of the old covenant and if the and if jesus through the spirit of god is saying that the least in the kingdom of god can be greater than john the baptist how much more you and i in the new covenant should be able to receive and hear from god the voice of god okay and how do we do that how do we do that what kind of a spiritual disposition should one possess in order for us to have this continuing ongoing relationship with god where we hear from god it could be through the voice of your teachers that which whom god has ordained over your life and most of the time it happens that way okay we we as children we had parents why does god give us parents so that first we learn to obey our parents okay children Obey your parents in the Lord and honor them. Obey. We learn obedience. We hear and we do what they ask us to do. Alright. That's remarkable. God did not change that even, that pattern even for his own son. He says, when Jesus went down with them to Nazareth, he was subject, uh, he was subject to his parents and Jesus grew in stature and in wisdom in favor with God and with, in with man. Why did he grow? Because simply because of this principle that he submitted to his parents and he lived under his parents and he obeyed his parents. Okay. Very important. So God will teach you. God will speak to you and that is that is the reason why we constantly grant ourselves opportunities after opportunities to hear the voice of God through preaching. Why? It says in Titus chapter 1, please, Titus chapter 1, if you will. <clears throat> Titus chapter 1 and verse... Mm. Verse 3. Verse 2 and 3. Okay. In hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised before time began, but has in due time manifested His word through preaching. Manifestation. How the word kaisa You read it in different tra- translations. In due time has is manifested His word through preaching. Can we read it in uh, in the NIV? Okay. Verse 3, just verse 3. And at his appointed season, he brought his word to light through preaching and trusted to me. NLT. And now at the right time, he has revealed his good news. NASB. At the proper time, manifested even his word in the proclamation with which I was entrusted according to the commandment of God our Savior. See, this is a proclamation of the word of God which manifests the word it shows it reveals what the what the intention of god is because word has got intent behind it the word of god has got intention so what is the intention of god behind it therefore we study the scriptures and we want to understand through uh through teaching we expect to hear from god we need to have circumcised ears as jeremiah chapter 6 verse 10 will say circumcised ears ears which are ready and separated to hear the voice of God. It's the it's the year of a bond servant. Amen? Amen. So, how, what kind of a spiritual disposition one needs to have in order to be a, um, 
in order to have this continuous uh, ongoing relationship with God where you inquire of the Lord and you hear from Him. Okay. See, um, one guy who's characterized by this kind of a life, anybody knows? Who inquired of the Lord and God answered him. David. You know how many times it says David inquired of the Lord and God answered him? Nine times. Nine times. Five times before he becomes king, or four times before he uh, becomes king over uh, Judah, and the fifth time when he actually becomes king over Judah, and four times after that. Nine inquirings of David. I I wanted to do a study on nine inquirings of David, but I'll just only stick with five in the time that we have. Because I I like this man. What kind of a guy he is, boss? He inquired of the Lord and the Lord spoke to him very clearly. I mean, think about that, okay? A man in the old covenant, he speaks to God and God speaks to him clearly. What a challenge it is for us. In the new covenant. And you can receive moment by moment, second by second instruction. Ah, That's exactly how Jesus lived his life. Oh, come on, go to Jerusalem. He, uh, if you want to show yourself to your, to your disciples, you should go and publicly show yourself as to who you are. And what does Jesus say? My time has not yet come. Your time is already now. So they leave. But immediately after that, Jesus goes. How? God spoke to him. And he goes. Moment by moment, time Time upon time, instructions will be given to us. That is exactly what we are talking about in the old covenant, in the new covenant. We can continuously, see, David had a voice which was from outside. We have the spirit of God indwelling within us. How much more we should hear with clarity. I mean, God, it's not as God will uh, show us completely, uh, then that's not faith. But there's an assurance that we have heard from God. After that, we act. After that, there's no doubt. Even if we have difficulties on the way, we are so absolutely sure that we have heard from God. Therefore, it is important for us to inculcate this discipline of hearing. Okay, so what kind of a spiritual disposition one needs to have in order to have this kind of a relationship? I talk to God and He speaks to me. I talk to God, He speaks to me. David inquired of the Lord and the Lord spoke to him. So let us see the first three times. First Samuel chapter 23. Read from verse 1 onwards. This is, he's running away from Saul. Saul is hot, in hot pursuit of David. Behind David. You can see him in the rear view mirror, if you will. Okay. <laughs> the chase, like that's, that's how the chase is happening. Okay. Literally. <laughs> okay. Then they told David saying, look, the Philistines are fighting against Kela. Kela. Keila or Kila. Kila means fort, from which we get even the Arabic word Kila. Fort. Okay. Fortified town. It's a Hebrew word, Kila. And they are robbing the threshing floors. Okay. Then they told David saying, look, the Philistines are fighting against Kila and they are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, go and attack the Philistines and save Kila. It's remarkable. Remarkable words. Okay. 
the two kinds of leaders one is a hireling and the other is a shepherd one was supposed one was one was ordained or instituted by god to fight god's enemies that's exactly what what uh, paul uh, samuel tells uh, saul or rather god through samuel tells saul I have appointed you king over or anointed you king over Israel. And I remember what the Amalekites did. So what should you do, Saul? And I and I also spoke in the book of Exodus chapter 17 that the Lord is going to wage war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. So what should you do, Saul? Go and slaughter everybody. Oh, this is after he goofs off the very first time. Remember, he offers the sacrifice when he is not supposed to. God speaks to him clearly. Go and fight the Lord's battles. But is he fighting the Lord's battle? He is fighting his own brother. That's remarkable, isn't it? You are biting and devouring one another, it says. Turn to Galatians chapter 5, please. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 20. If you can find that verse. Yeah, 14. Yeah, for for all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. You're, you're after each other. You see, um, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, there are four kinds of people who work. Okay, there are People who are competitive. They are in a rat race. Some people are lazy. They don't even work. And a third fellow is independent. Okay. Ultimately he is going to work. And he is going to leave everything to somebody. Whom he doesn't even know. And the fourth guy is a work, as a person who works in a team. Two is better than one. Remember that? In Ecclesiastes chapter 6 if I am right. Or 5. Yeah. Six, six, if I'm right. Okay. And he says the threefold cord is not easily broken. And what does, what does he do? He gets more for their labor, it says, right? What is the, it, what is the, uh, what is the God ordained way of working that you all, we all complement one another and not be in competition with one another. And that's only possible within the kingdom. In every other place, it's not possible. It's, that's the reason why it's called what race? What, what race? Rat race. You know why is it called a rat race? Because rats are only species which kill each other in order to move forward. That's the reason why it's called rat race. Ants cooperate. Bees cooperate. So that's different kinds of bees. Drone bees. Labor bees. Nobody says, why are you, why are you a drone? No, nobody fights. Everybody is ordered. They are they are doing what we call as cooperative, multi-management kind of a situation. And they are doing work together. And that is the reason why they produce honey. Huh? Okay. It sustains. This, this is in Christian, Christian life, when we all are working as a team together, what we do, what do we produce? Honey. Honey is what we produce, literally. We study from different, different places. That's what 
what that's what honeybees do right go to different different flowers and study and study and gather gather that's what i also do go to this pastor goes to different different places and he gathers all the honey and then he feeds you and what happens when you when you drink honey your eyes will be lightened like jonathan right and you are you gain strength for what battle you become the food for john the baptist locust and wild honey Understand that. It's cooperation, my dear brothers. You're biting and devouring one another. There are two kinds of leaders. So, whom does God speak to? God, uh, A.W. Tozer wrote, wrote this book. It's called, God Speaks to a Man Who Cares. What a beautiful title. God Speaks to a Man Who Cares. That's the reason why there are hirelings and there are shepherds. What does a hireling do? He looks at the wolf and he runs for his life. And what does a shepherd do? He lays down his life for his sheep. That's exactly what it says in Psalm 78, the last two verses, please. The last three verses. Psalm 78 and the last three verses. Look at what it says. Psalm 78 and the last three verses. One of my favorites. He also chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the ooze that had young. He brought them to shepherd Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. And verse 72, so he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and he guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Take this as a promise for yourself. God speaks to a man who cares. And what happened? The Philistines have attacked who? Kila. Kila, where is it? Is it in Judah? No, it's not in Judah. It's somewhere else. And what does David do? Lord, a king is there. He's supposed to fight the Lord's battles. Instead of fighting the Lord's battles, he's fighting me. But what do you want me to do, Lord? Should I go and fight them? Should I go and fight the Philistines? Shall I rescue the, 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 what's that? The threshing floors of, uh, of Kila? What were the Philistines doing? They were attacking the and devouring the threshing floors, right? Go there. First Samuel chapter 23 and verse 1. Then they told David saying, look, the Philistines are fighting against Kila and they're robbing the threshing floors. What is there on the threshing floor? The harvest. So what should be on the, on the harvest? To thresh the wheat. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 4. Yeah, yeah. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 4. Where, <laughs> read this carefully. Where no oxen are, the trough is clean. <laughs> but with, but much increase comes from the strength of an ox. What does an ox supposed to do? Go and thresh the floor. Therefore, 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 18. What does it say? 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 18. Actually verse 17 and 18 if you don't mind. 1 Timothy chapter 5. So let the elders who rule you well be counted worthy of double honor. Especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For scripture says you shall not muzzle an ox with while it treads out the grain. The labor is worthy the laborer is worthy of his wages. Now, look at this. David is saying the threshing floors are going to are being attacked. What am I supposed to do, Lord? Of course, you are supposed to go and help them so that the threshing floors are not consumed by the Philistines. He's a shepherd. Okay. One fellow is after David, the shepherd, 
and the, and david is after god's enemies whom are we fighting the lord speaks to those whom those who care and i'm telling you honestly nothing in christian life and nothing in the history of the bible has happened without god choosing a man who cares right from the time of of if you if you want to take uh, the first guy who saved the entire world was joseph he was a man who cares a man who cares moses was a man who cared and moses was so much of a man who cared he said while he was he knew that he was going to die he said lord uh, lord raise up another shepherd who will go in and out and protect your sheep israel and what does god say choose joshua was a man who cares god speaks to a man who cares and what does it say go God speaks to a man who cares. I'll, I'll, let me tell you something. We, you know, we, we use the word 17 verses 17 and 18. Okay, you should, uh, the laborer is worthy of his wages, so you should not muzzle the ox which threads thre- thre- the, uh, the corn, threads the grain. But there are so many few, there are so few people in the Christendom, Christendom who are left who are laboring in the word and not. They don't labor. To labor, matlab? You should say, Lord, I want to seek you in the word. I want to find a word for my congregation. Because I care for them. And God only speaks to a man who cares. So that is a, that is a disposition we need to have. God spoke to Nehemiah because he cared. And one day, just he was praying and fasting for several days. And one day he was before the, before the king. And the king said, why is your countenance like that? And immediately... He asks God and immediately he gets a response and immediately he speaks. What kind of a connection he had? Why? Because God speaks to a man who cares. Ezra, God speaks to a man who cares. Daniel, God speaks to a man who cares. David, God speaks to a man who cares. Cares about his interest. We'll understand what what should he care about. But let, let us look at the contrast over here. 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 36. David inquired of the Lord and the Lord spoke to him, right? Verse 36 onwards. Now Saul said, let us go down after the Philistines by night and and plunder them until the morning, until the morning light. And let us not leave a man of them. And they said, do whatever it seems good to you. They got exasperated. It's okay, fine. Whatever it seems good to you, do it. Then the priest said, what did he say? Let us draw near to God here. And look at the next verse. So Saul asked, and other translations will use the word, inquired of God, shall I go down out of the Philistines? Will you deliver them into the hand of Israel? Answer. But he did not answer him that day. Why? God does not speak to a man who does not care. What did he, what did the priest ask him to do? Verse 36. Look at what it says. What did the priest ask him to do? See what it says? The last part, the priest asked him, let us draw near. That's interesting, isn't it? James chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask, and you ask, you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it upon your own pleasures. That's the reason why you don't get it. You ask for yourself. 1-5 James, 
1, 5 to 8. If any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and he is unstable in all his ways. And therefore, 4.7 of James, order 7 onwards. 7 onwards. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Verse 8, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. What did the priest say? Draw near. And what is he doing? Asking. What should you do? Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And verse 9, lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. The one thing Saul never did. So when he did, when he did not hear a counsel or an answer from God, what did he do? Who among you sinned? Even if it is Jonathan, I will kill him. Understand that? What a contrast. And that's exactly how he ends his life. 28.3 of 1 Samuel. Onwards. Now Samuel had died and all Israel had lamented for him and buried him in Ramah in his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land then the Philistines gathered together and came and encamped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel together and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was, his house was, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him. Either by dreams or by Urim or the prophets. So what should he do? Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and you mourn humble yourself in the under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. Did he do that? No. Then Saul said to his servants, find me a medium. You see, immediately how he responds. There's no interest at all. You know why? Because he never cared. All he cared was for his reputation. Understand that? So, we'll understand for the how, what does it mean to care? We'll, under, we'll come to those different aspects of caring. But one of the reasons why I always um, uh, wonder as to why, what kind of an attitude David had, so that whenever he inquired of the Lord, the Lord spoke to him. What kind of a spiritual preparation did he have? You see, um, Solomon, he constructed the temple. Right? Temple of the Lord. Magnificent temple. And one of the things he often used to do, used to go to the temple and hear the prayers of the people. Remember? And then he wrote, writes Ecclesiastes chapter 5. He says, when you come to the house of the Lord, let your words be few. Because he looked at all these worshippers who came to the temple of God and they were came making all kinds of rash promises to God and rash vows to God, but none of those fellows kept the word of God. And the covenant that they, that they made, with the, uh, made, with, made with God. The vows that they made with God. So he says, let the words be few and 
it is better not to make a vow than to make a vow and not to keep it. He says, why? Because you are not coming to any ordinary place. This is not even my palace. This is the palace of God. And why do many people not hear from God? It's simply because they don't have that reverence for God. They don't have some kind of a spiritual preparation when they go into the presence of God, even when they're reading the scriptures. They're not expecting God to speak. They don't have any kind of a spiritual preparation which will tune them to the voice of the Spirit. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say. When Jesus was there on the earth, he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what I have to say. When Jesus went, he told the churches, he says, he who has ears to hear, let the let him hear what the spirit of the Lord has to say. There's some kind of a spiritual preparation that all of us have to be having, not just one day, every day of our life so that we are prepared or we are, we have a kind of an attitude so that we can receive signals from God. A kind of a disposition. Look at this. Let's go back to 1 Samuel chapter 23. I'm going to show you some interesting, not interesting, some very, very deep not deep truth, some interesting observations I want to make. Then, the, then they told David saying, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and they are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. And then what happens? Verse 3. But David's men said to him, look, we are here in Judah. How much more if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? He's saying, our safety is not guaranteed in Judah. Okay, how are you going to guarantee that our safety, we will be safe in Keilah, which is against the armies of the Philistines. Then David inquired of the Lord once again, and the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. Look at this, my dear brothers. Look at this, look at this. Now tell me why, why, how and why did God speak to him? What kind of a preparation did he have? That he inquired of the Lord and God spoke to, spoke to him so clearly saying, not just save Kila, he says now I will deliver the Philistines into your hands. Such, it's a glory of God to conceal a matter and it's the glory of kings to unravel it. How did, what kind of a spiritual preparation did David have so that he could, he could hear from God? Now if you turn to Psalm 63 and it's not going to be here, read the heading. One of you can read the heading and I'll repeat after you. Psalm 63 and read the heading. I'm sure you have it in your Bibles, Psalm 63, and one of you read the heading, and I will read it loudly after you. A Psalm of David. Ah, he was in the wilderness of Judah. Okay. This wilderness, he was running away from Saul. And what did David's men say? We are not safe here in Judah. How will you guarantee our safety? Judah. So David inquired of the Lord and the Lord spoke to him. How did he inquire? Let's read the psalm now. Okay? I'm going to read it. Let's follow it now. Psalm 63. Let's read from verse 1 onwards. Oh God, <laughs> you are my God. Early will I seek you. Now the word early ka matlab kya hai? Not just first. Diligently. Early will I seek you. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 12 to 17. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 12 to 17. And we'll come back to it. I wisdom. Kya baat hai? I wisdom. Wisdom is personified. He's, you know, he's given a 
uh, is going to personality. And we know from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30 that God made who? Christ as what? Wisdom from God. Okay, we don't have to turn there. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. I find out knowledge, I find out discretion. The fear of the, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Let me tell you something, my dear brothers. Let me tell you something. It is good not to have wisdom so that you can ask of God. The smarter you are, <laughs> you have to really, really humble yourself, Lord, and put away all your smartness and come to the point when you say, Lord, this is useless. You know, an intelligent fellow or an intelligent person, he has got a he has to humble himself more. He has to lay on the altar his intelligence first. And if you don't have intelligence, great. Thank God. You say, Lord, I'm dumb anyway. But I, I believe that is the reason why Lemuel is such a fired up guy. You know how Lemuel starts off his uh, proverb, right? Let's go to Proverbs chapter 30 and then it will come back here. I like the way so Proverbs chapter 30 was one, in, one, on, one onwards. The words of Agur, sorry, um, not, uh, yeah, the words of Agur, not, not uh, Lemuel. The words of Agur, the son of Yakhe, his utterance, this man declared to Ithiel, to Ithiel and Ukal. And verse 2, look at what it says. Surely I am more stupid than any man and I do not have the understanding of a man. How many of you can say that? That the Holy Spirit will say, yes, 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 actually you are very stupid than any man. And what you are saying is not uh, humblicity, it is humility. It's like Moses is the meekest man on all, all the earth. And you write it, Moses. This is how we have to come to the Lord. This is the kind of disposition. Lord, I am more stupid than any man. And do not have the understanding of even a man. You know, what the word for man is Adam. What is Adam means? A guy who is taken from earth. What a kind of an attitude to have, right? How can we say, if you are intelligent? Lord, I am more stupid than any man. Look at all my peers, Lord. Uh, I think some men, but not all at least. But you are telling me to come to a place where I can, sh- I should actually confess I am more stupid. Why? You know why he says he is more stupid than any man? Look at the next verse, verse 3. I neither learned wisdom nor have knowledge of the Holy One. That is the reason why he is stupid. Not because he is not clever. Cleverness can make you successful on earth. Wisdom is different. Who has ascended into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fist? Who has bound the waters in a garment? Who has established the ends of the earth? What is his name? And his son's name? Who is it, Baba? Jesus. The words of Agur. And he says, you know, Lord, I'm stupid. Because I do not know these simple facts. Let me tell you something. You can be very intelligent and clever. If you do not know the son, you are stupid than any man. You are the stupidest. You know, Oscars are given to the best movies. And there are other awards also given, right? The worst movies also are given awards. Do you remember? Uh, yeah. The worst worst movie of the year. The worst actor of the year. The worst comedian of the year. Those awards are also given, by the way. Of course, nobody attends. Can you imagine the humility of a guy who attends that function and says, yeah, it was so bad. I, I deserve that award. Nobody does that. Nobody does it. I wish we do it. I'm telling you, my dear brothers, if you have that kind of a disposition, God will pour out wisdom into your life. 
Do you believe that? Lord, I don't know anything, Lord. That is the reason why it says, if any man thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool first. So that he will be made wise. Because if you have follow, that follows wise, then he has a greater problem. He has to deal with his pride. And he will be even more under subjection of crushing and pounding of God. <laughs> okay. So he has to be molded. And what's the guarantee that he will really humble himself? Because God is not going to bend your free will, right? Understand? Okay. Let all efforts be given to us once we reach eternity, okay? Okay, let's come back to Proverbs chapter 8 and then we'll go to... <laughs> I'm showing you layers, okay? Proverbs chapter 8 was 12, 13 uh, onwards now. Okay, I wisdom. Verse 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. And then, counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. Kya baat hai? It is not I will give understanding. I am understanding. I have strength. By me kings reign and rulers decree justice. And verse 16 and 17. By me princes rule and nobles. All the judges of the earth. And verse 17. I love those who love me. And those who seek me. Thank you so much. Early or diligently will find me. And what does David say? Lord, I seek you early because I am stupid, Lord. I do not know the ways of God. I cannot fight this war. I do not want to trust in my intelligence. I do not want to trust in my past uh, victories. I do not want to trust in the strength of my army. I do not want to put my trust in anything, Lord. I seek you. That is Psalm 63. Where? In the wilderness of Judah. What an awesome God. What an awesome man. This is the kind of a disposition a new covenant believer should have. What an awesome God. And let's let's go back to Psalm 63 now. So, verse 1. He says, Oh God, you are my God. You, not me. <laughs> you, not my brothers. Like, you know, this is my pen. Like pastor keeps telling us, no, this is my pen. You, not him. You not my wives. You not my children. You not my career. You not my education. You not my wisdom. You not my cleverness. You not my skill. Yeah, I can have a skill. Maybe I'm, maybe David was left handed. I don't know. Because uh, he had this incredible skill of, uh, of, uh, he's, he's a sharpshooter of Israel, if you will. Right? One bullet goes directly into the forehead. One shot, one kill. Sniper. And then, games games Sniper games? Okay, no problem. Think about David. Okay. Guma guma ke mara. What that? He might be, Lord, I do not even trust in the skills that I have. I do not even trust in the sword of Goliath I possess. I do not trust. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. And what does it say? My soul, Lord. My soul, not my body. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. You in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Now the word land, you know what the word for land is in the Hebrew? It's aretz, from which we get the word earth. You know what he says, Lord? 
in this earth, Lord, I don't find any solutions to any of my problems. This land is absolutely dry. Earth is dry. Absolutely, there's no solution here for spiritual problems, Lord. And I only want to look for towards you for my problems, for solutions for my problems. I seek you. I seek you. I seek your counsel. Nothing of this earth. Nothing of this earth. That is the reason why it says in Colossians chapter 3, if you have been raised with Christ, set your mind on things above and your heart on things above, not on things of this earth. And therefore he says, put to death everything which is of earth inside of you. Put to death. And he says, Lord, a dry and thirsty land where there is no water, Lord. I seek you, Lord. I seek you. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. For you are my God. You are my God. Nothing else. Nobody else. Early will I seek you. Diligently I want to seek you. This is the kind of a disposition. When it says, David inquired of the Lord and the Lord answered him, this is how he inquired of the Lord, Baba. This is the kind of disposition he had. When every earthly prop gives way, you alone are my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. This is how he says, Lord, I do not want to trust in my own strength. And the next verse. You know, the first word that came out of uh, Peter's lips during worship. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your, your power, your glory. What is important for me, Lord? For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. What am I looking for? Not my glory, not my power, your glory, your say, your, your, your power. And it says verse 3, your loving kindness is better than life and my lips shall praise you. The first words that came out of my, all of the lips and I said, Lord, thank you for confirming today's word. For your loving kindness is better than life. Thus will I bless you. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied with marrow. Marrow ka matlab kya hai? Strength and fatness that is increased. And my mouth shall praise with joyful lips. This is the kind of a disposition. You can go and meditate upon the old psalm. This is the kind of disposition he had in the wilderness of Judah when people came and asked him the question. He said, okay, okay. Hey, Saul, here we are not safe even in Judah. And we'll go there. You think we'll be safe in the hands of the Philistines? Okay, he says, okay, let me just go and inquire of the Lord. And he goes and inquires of the Lord. And how does the Lord answer him? Go there. You will not only save, I will give the Philistines into your hands. Okay, let me tell you, say for the first lesson, therefore, we have to learn. God speaks to a man who cares. What is he caring? What, what does he care? He cares not for himself. God is, seeks for a man who is concerned about the reputation of God. Was a concern for his name. That is the reason why John's Gospel chapter 14 verse 12 onwards please. Most assuredly, kya baat hai? Most assuredly, not assuredly, it is most assuredly, I tell you. Who is that I? Jesus. Now, what do you Most assuredly, I tell you, do you have assurance is a question. 
The problem is we read most assuredly, I tell you, and we don't have assurance. That's the problem. <laughs> That's the incredible problem of many, many believers. Most assuredly, I say to you, you know why? We do not take God at his word. That's the problem. We don't believe it. That's that's exactly the reason why I keep on telling about Alistair Begg. You know, when he talked to his congregation, he said, you know what? I know that you all are great engineers, doctors, uh, researchers, and all kinds of people from different, different backgrounds. I don't care. One thing I would tell you, irrespective of what background you come from, just submit yourself to the authority of the word of God in your lives. Don't ask him. Don't question it, please. Whatever it says, obey. If there be first a will be, if there be first a willing mind, not according to what one has, not or that does not have, but what according to one has. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the best of the land. If there be first a willing mind, if any man wills to do his will, then he will know. I have the disposition, my dear brothers. Most assuredly, I say to you, think about, think about it. You know what it says? I am the king of this universe. And most assuredly, I say to you, according to this time next year, sir, I will visit Sarah and she, he will have us, and she will have a baby. Huh. Hello. And Sarah? Where? In her heart. Kya baat hai? It's like this, no? I'm looking at Sammy. Sammy is looking at me. And I laugh in my heart. And Sammy says, sir, why did you laugh? Hey, did I show any laughter? Did you hear anything? But God sees everything, right? God sees everything. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these. He will do because I go to my father. Do you believe that, my dear brothers? Here's a question. Komadila, question. If you're French. And the next verse. And what? Whatever you ask, where? In my name. What? You have a concern for the name of God. You have a concern for the name of God. You have a concern that, the, that God's name is not being hallowed in my life. That's exactly how Jesus taught us to pray. What did he say? Hallowed be thy name. And if you have a concern for his name, and when you inquire of the Lord, you know what God will do? He will answer you, my dear brothers. God speaks to a man who cares. Do you have a concern for his name? And whatever you ask in my name, I will do. That my father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. In other words, if you have a concern for my name and you have a concern to hallow my name and you know that this name is above every other name. It's above every principality, every power, every power of darkness. There is no other name and every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is the Lord. If you have concern for that name and that name should be hallowed in your life, you know what? You Ask whatever in my name and I will answer you. And you know what David says, Lord? Exactly how he, how he speaks, right? When he is fighting with fighting Goliath. Who is this? Uncircumcised Philistine who defies the armies of the who God? The living God. Our God is a living God. God's not dead. He is alive. <laughs> we remember that Sunday school song. <laughs> I fill him in my bones. I fill him in my heart. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's not feeling. 
it's knowing. There's a lot of difference between feeling and knowing. Lot of people feel but don't know. Lot of people know but they don't have to feel. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son if you ask in my name. And what does David say? I seek your power. I seek your glory. Your name should be glorified. And who are these Philistines, Lord? Is there not a cause? He tells his brothers. Is there not a cause that the name of God is being defied over here? Do you not have a concern for God's name? Here's a question. And you know who are those people who have the capacity to defile, to, to defile God's name? <laughs> I'll show you. Romans chapter 2. From scripture. And verse uh, <clears throat> this Bible has become old because I'm reading my Telugu Bible now. I can flip my Telugu Bible like that and goes to that chapter now. Okay. Anyways, let's go. <laughs> read, read two, and it says chapter two and verse um, twenty-three and twenty-four. Twenty-three and twenty-four. You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? For the name of God is being blasphemed among Gentiles because of you as it is written. And what is David concerned for? He's concerned for God's name. This guy is concerned for his name. Who? Saul. Go and kill Agag. He goes and makes a monument. And what is that? What is this bleating of the sheep? Oh, we want to sacrifice to God. Huh. Come on now. Really? All the trumpets that you blew ahead of yourself. Saul, when you were little in your own eyes, did I not call you? Now I know, rather now you know what you actually desire. You desire reputation from people. Your name should be hallowed Saul. Why? You tell Saul, you tell Samuel, come, 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 and honor me before the people. You're concerned about a reputation before people. You're not concerned about your reputation before God. You're not concerned that the name of God is being blasphemed. God speaks to a man who cares. Who cares about his name. Second, you know who God cares, speaks to? God speaks to a man who cares about his kingdom. His word. Turn to Matthew chapter 13, verse 19. 13, verse 19. Okay. When anyone hears the word of the, ah, the word of the kingdom is the word of the king. That's the reason I says, I, I said, right? God, you are my God. Earnestly I will seek you. Early I will seek you. I seek a word from you. I seek the word from your kingdom. Anyone who hears the word of the kingdom, the word of God is the word of the kingdom. And therefore it says in John's Gospel chapter 15 verse 7, If you abide in me, (laughs) and my words abide in you, You will ask 
what you desire and it shall be unto you. You know what? And why am I going to answer you, David? Because you are concerned about my kingdom. You are concerned about my name. Your name be hallowed. Second, you are concerned about my, your, my kingdom. Your kingdom come. Third, God speaks to those people who are concerned about his will. Your name be hallowed. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now you know why David was heard? David inquired of the Lord and the Lord spoke to him and he gave him exact answer that he required. Now think about it. Now, once David here heard from God, is he going to doubt that he, uh, doubt his victory at all? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Therefore, John's Gospel chapter 7, verse 17. Thank you. I love that verse. We can go back to that verse n number of times. Uh, n is of course uh, a very large number. <laughs> if anyone wills to do his will. I love that word. What a word it is. Huh? If anyone wills, that means you have to will to do his will. He shall know. Concerning the doctrine. Whether it is from God or whether I speak of my own authority. And how do you know that you were that your will is to do his will? Next verse, verse 18. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him, he is true. And you know what? Whose glory do I seek? Not my glory, Lord. I see, behold, I look towards your sanctuary to see your power and your glory for your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. What a song we sing. Now, thy loving kindness is better than life. Okay. My lips, chai. Chai is word for life. Loving kindness is chesed. Your chesed is better than chai <laughs> in the in the Hebrew. It's like beautiful poetry, okay? Poetic in Hebrew. I mean, as, it's not as if I can appreciate Hebrew poetry, but I like the play on words, no? Chai. So, if there be first, therefore, Second Corinthians chapter eight verse twelve. Second Corinthians chapter eight verse twelve. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted. Not according to what one does not have, but what according to one has. Got that everybody? Understand that. So, I am concerned about his kingdom, rather his name. I am concerned about his kingdom and I am concerned about his will. Your will, Lord. And you have that kind of a disposition. You inquire of the Lord and the Lord will answer you. What else? We are looking at five, right? So we looked at three already. So what does he do? Let's go back to First Samuel chapter 23. And let's read from verse five onwards. Four onwards. Uh, yeah. And David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines, struck them with a mighty blow and took away their livestock. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. Now I want to, I want to talk about David inquired of the Lord, right? Who, who got a, who got the concern? The concern was David's men. But once David heard from the Lord and he spoke to his people, 
They just followed orders. This is what I call authority. The locusts have no king. Thank you so much. Locusts have no king. Everybody falls in line. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say. And David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines, struck them with a mighty blow and took away their livestock. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. Okay, that was his concern. Next verse. So what happens? So now it happened when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David at Keilah, that, that he went down with an effort in his hand. Thank God. He gets the effort now. Now it was told Saul that David had gone to Keilah. So look at this fellow. So Saul, Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering into a town that had gates and bars. I told you, right? Keilah means a fortress. Now look at David. What a fool he is. God has delivered him into my hands. Then, verse 9, the second time, now David inquires, or rather the third time. David knew that Saul plotted evil against him. He said to the priest, Abiathar the priest, bring the effort here. That's his habit. No, What is he going to do now again? Inquire of the Lord. Look at the next verse. Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hand? In other words, will they show kindness to me? Will they be loyal to me? Will they be grateful? Will they be ungrateful? Will they be kind? Will they reciprocate kindness with kindness? Or will they betray me? Will, call, will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray tell your servant and the Lord said he will come down. Kya baat hai? Next verse. Then David said, will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? Oh no, 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 they will protect you. No, no, no. The Lord said, they will deliver. So what do David and his men do now? Are these ungrateful fellows? I risk my life to save your skin. I saved your livestock. I saved your threshing floors. I brought prosperity into your land by taking away all the livestock from the Philistines and giving it to you. But you're going to hand me over to Saul. The Lord speaks to a man who is merciful. Next verse. So David and his men, 600 arrows and departed. Never one argument with any of the elders of Keilah. What did you do to us? Let's turn to Luke's gospel. Chapter 6. In the ESC, if you don't mind, please. Verse 32 to 36. If you love those who love you, <laughs> what benefit it is to you. For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is it that is it is that to you? Now think about it. Did Keilah do even one good to Saul uh, to David to deserve his mercy and his kindness and his interference? No. For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those to whom from whom you expect to receive what credit it is to you, even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. 
but love your enemies and do good and lend. Except expecting nothing. God is teaching him. You know what? David, you're going to be one day a shepherd of Israel. And you will serve a people and you should expect nothing. But if they give or don't give. Like I, I like the attitude of Paul, no? You know what Paul says? To give to my ministry is your privilege. I mean, what audacity, Baba? I mean, I, I get shocked when he makes statements like that. You should not muzzle an ox which is threshing the floor. Does God is concerned about his ox? Or is he concerned about us? Who goes to battle on his own wages? Who sows without expecting to eat from the harvest? But I will not take this privilege for my own advantage. For me, to preach the gospel is my salary. He says, actually, to preach the gospel free of cost is my salary. Boy, in other words, for you to give into my ministry is your privilege. My God shall supply your need. Finished. Case closed. I think those guys would have been shocked by those statements, no? Hari, what kind of a guy is this fellow, Re Baba? You see. In other words, I serve you expecting nothing. Because I'm a debtor to God. You see, these are the kinds of people we need to follow, Baba. Examples. Set those standards high in your life right from the time you are young. So that when you are falling short, you are always being probed by the Holy Spirit. And you are dependent upon God and say, Lord, I want to reach up to that level, Lord. Pull me up. Pull me up. Pull me up. Let me not be satisfied with the status quo. But love your enemies. And your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the Most High. For He is kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. Kya baat hai? Two categories are there. Some people are evil, may not be ungrateful. I mean, evil. That means their fellows are ungrateful, unkind and evil. But some people, because of circumstances, they could be, they may not be able to express their thanks. Because they are more fearful of Saul. So David, they are not at your same level of faith. God speaks to a man who is merciful. That means he is still concerned. I have called you to be a what? A shepherd. That is the reason why it says in First Peter chapter 5 to the elders. Look at, read that those verses, Baba, in ESV. And kiss those verses if you can. Virtually we can't because it's all electronic now. If you can send an electronic kiss, also you send it, okay? So a exhort, a digital kiss we call it, okay? So a exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. What a beautiful introduction. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness or a martyr for the sake of, you know, witness meaning I can, I can testify. I can, I can bank my life on this. A witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. You know what he says? Next verse. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. As the Lord would have you. See, what, what should you do? Shepherd the flock. Okay? Shepherd the flock. Second, which is among you, not in somebody else's territory. Exercise oversight. 
That means keep a guard and watch over them. Not under compulsion, but willingly. How? As God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those who are in charge, but being an example. Seven things. Perfect. This is called perfect leading. Perfect shepherding. And all of us are called at some level or the other to do this. If he is our shepherd and we have to follow him and people have to follow us, follow, imitate me is even as I imitate Christ. What are they supposed to imitate, Baba? What says thou? <laughs> Next verse. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So what is he, what is he doing? I am not concerned. I am interested only to please my shepherd. So God speaks to the one who is merciful. Merciful. Merciful people will hear from the God of mercy. 141.17 once again. 145.17 In different translation. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The next translation, another translation. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and gracious in all his works. Another translation. The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. Which is this, Baba? NLT, huh? He is filled with kindness. He is righteous in all his ways, but he is also filled with kindness. What a beautiful mixture. Righteousness and mercy have met together. Truth and something. Loving kindness and truth have kissed each other. That is God. This is the way of the cross. This is the way of the cross. The Lord speaks to those who are merciful. Then of course, 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6. This is the fourth one, okay? (laughs) Fourth one. We have time. Don't worry. Even if we are going ahead of time, it doesn't matter. Verse 6 onwards. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6 onwards. We are looking at the five inquirings of David, okay? Inquirings. This is not inquiry counter, but this is inquirings of David. Now, David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. This is at Ziklag. Remember this context we studied in different different contexts. Because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. How do you, how does one strengthen himself in the Lord his God? I'll tell you something. You be honest with God. You'll strengthen yourself. Okay. Because God is not looking for perfect people. He's looking for honest people. The next verse. And David said to Abiathar, the priest of Ahimelech's son, please bring the Effort. Kya baat hai. I mean, look at this confidence of this guy, you know. This is what I call faith in the midst of, not uh, failure. Uh, what I, what I, what John Piper calls as gutsy guilt. How can guilt be gutsy, Baba? GG. We can have boldness. God is looking for that kind of a boldness. Avenge me of my advers- adversary, says that widow. Chichi, go. Avenge me of my adversity. And she is going and interjecting and intercepting and doing whatever it takes to that guy. He is going in his Lalbati vehicle and he is, she is falling on the road and stopping him. Relentless. Lalbati means 
the the the, that, uh, the, the special VIP vehicles which go on the road now, and the CMs were uh, the, this uh, justice entourage is going, and she lies flat on the road, and everybody has to stop. People are coming to pull her, and the judge is there, Baba. <laughs> this lady again, relentless. That is called what we call as gutsy guilt. Micah had it. Chapter 7. Verse 7. I think so. If I'm right. Yeah, exactly. Okay, verse uh, 6 onwards. Hmm? Actually. Micah. Therefore I will look. Yeah, verse 7 onwards. Therefore I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. What did you do, Micah? Look at the next verse. Do not rejoice over me or my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because Hare Baba, I have sinned against him and the Lord will hear me. What kind of a confidence is this? This is what I call gutsy guilt. Until he pleads my case and executes justice for me, he will bring me forth to the light. I will see his righteousness. And the next verse, then she who is my enemy will see and shame will cover her face who said to me, where is the Lord your God? This is how David strengthened himself in the Lord. This is what I call gutsy guilt. I, can, I will confess, okay Lord, I deserve this. I shouldn't have feared. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have run to Akish. Look at what I was doing. Raiding camps here, left, right and center. Where did you come from? This place in Judah. Oh, Akesh is thinking in his heart, one day I'm going to make him my bodyguard. Look at what the enemy is doing to you. Ray. What are you supposed to do? Sit on the throne of Israel and reign over God's people. And what have you become now? A bodyguard of the enemy? Enemy is bodyguard. And you're going to prove your loyalty to your, uh, to your bodyguard also, to your enemy, by fighting against God's people. From where to where? Thank God. God spares him that. No, If it were not for the hand of God. So God, all the Philistine lords will say, get this fellow out please. Let him go back. We don't trust him. In the day when you are, okay, let's go back. So, so what does David do? First Samuel chapter 30, verse 7. Now it happened. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the effort to me. And Abiathar brought the effort to David. And what did he do? So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue the troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered. You know what? God speaks to a man who is honest in his failure. Honest. What an amazing God. And what does he say? Pursue, for you shall surely overtake and without fail you will recover all. So David went. Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, verse 31. I like that. Onwards, okay. And Lord said, Simon, Simon. Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Kya baat hai? That means even to touch you, God has to, Satan has to ask God permission. But I have prayed for you, Simon, 
that your faith should not fail and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brothers. How can a man strengthen his brothers unless he himself is strengthened? How can a man comfort? Comfort means to strengthen. Until unless he is comforted. First, first Corinthians chapter 1. Second Corinthians chapter 1. Second Corinthians chapter 1. And verse 3 onwards. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of... Just not comfort. Whatever comf- kind of comfort you want, He is a God of all comfort. I mean, if you go to Ikea, you will see comfort everywhere. Okay. So if you want to buy all comfort, you have to buy entire Ikea. And think about that in those, in those terms. For those people in the US, you know what Ikea is. It is there in India also now. The largest store happens to be in Hyderabad. Yeah. So, God of all comfort. What does he do? Who comforts us in all our tribulation means testings. In all our testings. Why should we need comfort in our testings? Because we have we have failed, you know. If you have succeeded in your comfort, in your test, why should you need comfort, Baba? Kada? Ante kada? Oh God, I failed. We'll fix it. I'll make you a success. Who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. So, if you have failed God, and we are all failures, how many times we have failed God even this morning? Think about it in different, different ways. But you know what? God speaks to a man who is honest in his failure. Honest in his failure. I didn't do it. No. Look my no hands. No. I did it. And that is how you gain strength. David strengthened himself in the Lord. What does God say? What does Jesus say? I pray that your faith will not fail. But once you have been restored, strengthen your brothers. This is how David strengthened himself in the Lord. He received a strength from God in his failure. Well, let's go back to that. Second Corinthians chapter 1. And the last verse. Who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now David strengthened himself in the Lord and he looks at his people and he says, you know what guys? God said, pursue, overtake, recover, let's go. There will be sons of Belial there also, don't worry. Who would say, these 200 fellows who stayed back should not receive anything. Don't worry about them. They are called worthless fellows, sons of Belial, in other words. So there are sons of Belial, even in David's 600. We don't know who those people are, but they are there. So David, God speaks to a man who is honest in his failure. Kya baat hai? If God can speak to a man in the old covenant who is honest in his failure, will he not speak to us? Who are in Christ? Who are honest in our failure? Who do not hide our sin. He who hides his sin will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes will obtain mercy. So God speaks to a man who? Honest in his his failure. That's the fourth one. The last one for the day. Fifth one. Second Samuel chapter 2. This is after Saul is dead. 
I like this. I, I, I mean, I mean, this is one of my favorite verses, okay, in the Bible. I, whenever I look at this and I said, boy, what kind of an attitude this guy had? It happened after this that David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said, go up. And David said, where shall I go up? And he said to Hebron. God speaks to a man who is not in a hurry for honor and reputation and exaltation. No, such Saul is dead. I am king lord. Come on, where is the throne now? No. It's going to take another seven and a half years if I'm right. Yeah, seven and a half years, right? From seven years and six months from uh, from Hebron before he becomes king over all Israel. Can you wait for godly character to be found? Why? How many people want reputation and want to start off ministries without coming under authority, without character being formed, without being tested under fire? They just want positions of leadership. You think God is speak to the such kind of people? Not in a million years. And if you are hearing a voice of God, then it is not the voice of God. Look at what it says. Verse, verse 2 onwards again. Verse 2 onwards. Let's see. So David went up there to his wives and his two wives, Ahinom the Jezreelite, Abigail the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David brought up the men who were with him, every man to his household. So they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. And then what happens? Then the men of Judah came. He didn't just go and push himself on them. And there they anointed David King over the house of Judah. So God is God is going to test you. I will te- first test you with one tribe. Okay. F- they did not accept him the king over all Israel because he was fighting with Akish. I understand that. But still, he's not in a hurry. Men of Judah. And they took told of David saying, the men of Jabesh Gilead. Okay, that's enough. So God speaks to a man who is not in a hurry for reputation honor and exaltation. Let others be given more importance than you. Philippians chapter (laughs) 2. Let's verse from verse 3 onwards. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. What a straightforward word for us. Let nothing, whatever you're doing in ministry, Oh, I'm going to run the school. I'm going to be the best. <laughs> Sir, take it easy now. Okay, I'm going to be the best of preacher. Huh? Take it easy. This is a this is a sad state of affairs in Christendom. People are in competition for views on the internet. Subscribers. Those days it's called STD. What is STD? Subscribers trunk dialing. You know that, no? STD calls. Everybody is clamoring. Please subscribe. Bang, 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 please. See? Clamoring for that. I'm not saying we should not have disciples. We should have only the number that God has ordained for us. Not more, not less. Less is better. Less headaches, of course. <laughs> or maybe lesser rewards too. Okay. So, exact number that God has ordained. 
Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each one of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of the others. This is what I told you, right? God speaks to the man who cares under, under that broad umbrella, everything falls. And then he says, can you, now can turn to NIV. Can you turn to NIV? Your attitude or your mind, okay, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. And you know this. And he made himself of no reputation, etc., etc., etc. And what did he do? Verse 9. And God gave him, exalted him, and he gave him a, a reputation above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Therefore, Psalm 75, verses 5 to 8. Psalm 75, verses 5 to 8. I can read it n number of times once more. Do not lift your horn on high. <laughs> Do not speak with a stiff neck. What does Og mean? Long neck. Og, the king of Bashan. And his bed is huge bed he had. Nine cubits long. Big giant. It's basically a man of the flesh. Stiff-necked, long-necked, cut above the rest naked. <laughs> okay, whenever he goes into the running competition, because his neck comes first, he will be always win the race. Because his neck is long, even if his, if his back. Hmm? I don't know. For exaltation comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. Where does it come from? From the north. That is the reason why God is called the North Star. That star which will never change. Immutable forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. How long will you keep on going around in circles? Turn northward. Kya baat hai? Turn northward. Look up. Not from the west, not from the south. But God is the judge. He puts one down. He exalts another. So, wait. 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 Let God's what do you say? Character be formed. There will be so many people who are better than you will come in your life. He will be going ahead of you also. But you wait. You wait. God will allow all kinds of people to come into your life. Better than you, less than you, equal to you, hundred times better than you. All kinds of people. But what do you do? Don't look. They should, you should say, yeah, he is better than me. Re. He is better than me. That is what we call as Vishal. Not Vishal means a large heart. Just because you have a name Vishal doesn't mean that you're Vishal. You might be having a large waist, but definitely not a large heart. Or a big head. Vishal. Vishal is here, not here or here. But God is a judge. He puts one down and he exalts another. And then in the next verse, what does he do? And therefore, verse 8, for in the hand of the Lord there is a cup. And the wine is red. It is fully mixed. That means all stirring has been done. And he pours it out. Surely its dregs shall all the wicked of the earth drain and drink down. So, 
wait. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Wait. Therefore, First Peter, chapter five, and verse five onwards. Likewise, you younger people, in this how many times did I come to this verse? N number of times, N is a large number. Like you younger people, likewise you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be what? Clothed, submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Actually, uh, in Telugu, the translation is be decorated with humility. Where humility as a decoration, as an ornament. That's what it says, right? A precious ornament of a meek, gentle and a quiet spirit, which in the sight of the Lord is precious. Likewise, the holy women of old adorned themselves. The holy women of old who feared God. Adorned themselves, not fearing man, but fearing God. Like Sarah. Obeyed God, call, I mean, obeyed Abraham at calling him. Lord, whose daughters you are, if you also do so without fearing any terror. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Let us ask God. You know, continue to keep asking God. God, grant me a submissive spirit, Lord. I'm telling you honestly, if you exalt yourself, you will be humble. The lofty looks of man will be brought low, says Isaiah. The lofty looks of man will be brought low. And the Lord alone will be glorified in that day. What about all those proud people, Lord? Forget about them. First of all, <laughs> those fellows not will be mentioned. Hmm? Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Why? For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. How many of us want grace? Grace of God, which has appeared to all men. I mean, which has brought salvation, has appeared to all men. He teaches us to say no. If you want that teacher, grace of God. You need. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And then, verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. That means, this is something which you have to do. Let, let, let God not humble you, you humble yourself. And how do you do it? Casting all your care upon you. What if those people take advantage of me? Care, casting all your care upon you, for he cares for you. And then, verse 8, be vigilant, be sober, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So God speaks to a man who does not exalt himself, or is not eager, or in hurry for honor, or reputation, and for glory. That is what David had. You want to hear the voice of God continually? Saying, this is the way you should go? Have these five, at least. I'm only looking at five. There are four more. If Lord willing, we can look at it later on. But that is, of course, more concerned about his victories against the Philistines. But this is more concerned about his own personal battles. Okay? Alright? So, this morning, even as we are here in the presence of the Lord, God is a God who speaks. But in order to have a disposition which will have this, uh, which will enable us to have a, 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 a relationship and a communication with God which is without break, which is seamless, we need to have an attitude. 
David inquired of the Lord and the Lord spoke to him. How did the Lord speak to him? Why did the Lord speak to him? Because God speaks to a man who cares. God speaks to a man who is honest in his failure. God speaks to a man who is not clamoring for reputation and honor. God speaks to a man who is merciful. Five things we looked at this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Father, for this day. You're an awesome God. Your mercy endures forever. I want to thank you, Father, for speaking to us this morning. We don't have another option. There's no plan B, Lord, for a Christian. As your servant once said, if we cannot inquire of the Lord in a particular area, then we should not be going in that area. Don't do things which we cannot inquire the Lord of, not from. Grant us that grace, O Lord. Grant us the grace. Grant us a concern for your name. Grant us a concern for your kingdom. Grant us a concern to do your will, to bend our will to your will. Grant us the grace to be merciful. Grant us the grace, O Lord, to be honest in our failure and our sin. And grant us the grace not to seek for reputation and honor before our time. Let there be found in us proven character. Not just mere character, but proven character. The character of your son. To that, to that end, I pray that you would bless us, O oh Lord, and let this word become life and enable us to walk in your ways. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.